Isn't it true that we live in such a crazy world? There was this attorney that was cross-examining a doctor and asked, Doctor, before you performed the autopsy, did you check for a pulse? And the doctor said, no. And he said, well, did you check for breathing? And he said, no. And he said, you, you check the person's blood pressure? No. And so the attorney said, is it possible the patient was alive when you began the autopsy? The doctor said, no, no way. And the attorney said, well, how can you be so sure, doctor? And the doctor said, because his brain is in a jar sitting on my desk. Well, you know how this goes, right? The attorney pursued this line of questioning even further, in fact, way too far. But could the patient have still been alive nevertheless? And the doctor says, I suppose it's possible that he could have been alive and practicing law somewhere. <laughs> it's a funny world. Now, I wonder how many of you have been in a courtroom proceeding? Anyone? Maybe a juror, hope you're not a lawyer, <laughs> just joking. But you know, a lot of us may not really make a good witness. I mean, let's face it, you'll meet somebody out at church and five minutes later, you couldn't pick them up from a police lineup. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody here is gonna be in a police lineup soon. But let's be honest about this. How effective is our witness? When we're out and about, even with these masks, you know how much more difficult it is for us today to be a witness, to hear what people say, to see what people do. And it's amazing that the legal system that depends so heavenly on the testimony of witnesses is able to survive all that. Some of us would make terrible witnesses. Think about it. What's even more amazing to me is that Jesus entrusted his reconciling work to witnesses. And not everybody is reliable, if you know what I mean. Now, after the resurrection, there was this 40-day period that took place. People were in awe. We know from the historical accounts that Jesus was seen by dozens of people, 11 or 12 different eyewitness accounts, and one time it was 500 people at the same time. And Jesus appeared to the disciples, and during this 40-day period, he started teaching them and instructing them about the kingdom of God. And he left them with this final instruction that we discover here in the Bible it says, do not leave Jerusalem, Jesus said, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives this final promise in Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you know, in our Lenten season, we were focused on making Jesus 
really known by you, that you have a relationship. It's all about knowing Jesus. And now on this side of Easter, we want to challenge you in a new series that we're calling Making Jesus Known. Making Jesus known to this world, to this community in which we all are a part. Now, when you look at people who really seem to have made the most out of life, there's a common denominator, if you sit and think about this, that they seem to have, and that is they have discovered their purpose. They understand their talents and abilities. They embrace those, and they have a clear objective, and they know why they're here. And when you find people who make their lives count, they have a life mission. And consider, for example, Apostle Paul here in the New Testament. Here's a guy who was an outright persecutor of the church. He would have probably thrived in this culture. Persecuting the church, persecuting people. Actually, his name was Saul. And then one day, God got a hold of him. The scales fell from his eyes. And God came into his life. And he came to believe in Jesus. And he embraced that life mission that God had for him. He understood at that moment that you become a disciple, that God gives you a new purpose for living. The moment you become a believer, God gives you a new mission. And this is seen, I think, so well in the book of Acts. And we find it here toward the end of Acts, this incredible adventure, this third missionary journey that Paul is on. And there are shipwrecks. There's all kinds of things going on. People chasing them. I mean, this is an action-filled moment. All these things happening. And in Luke, Luke's writing here of Acts, chapter 20 and verse 24, it says, Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And that's the mission. And then he tells us what it is. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. And that was his mission. You say, well, what's my mission? I have accepted Christ and I believe in the Lord. Well, it's clear from Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, let's be honest, a lot of people really misunderstand this, and they think, well, I'm supposed to be this great salesperson. In fact, people have said, Pastor, you're in sales. Well, this is not about quotas. This is not about high pressure. Other people think, well, you've got to be a lawyer for Christ, but the Bible doesn't say we're supposed to argue people into heaven. No, it doesn't say that, but it says you are to be a witness. Now, what's a witness? A witness is somebody that just provides their personal testimony. They just give evidence of what God has done in their life. They just provide this basic experience that God has done in their life. Witnessing is sharing what God has done for you. How God has impacted your life. How you've made sense out of this world. Notice here in Acts 1 and 8, it's my. Circle the word my in your Bible because you are the authority on your experience. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a great philosopher. You don't have to be a promotional expert. 
You just have to say, here's what God has done for me. And if you can say that, you can be a witness. Now, in John 17, Jesus said, I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. And did you know that you are sent? In this Latin here, mission, it, it kind of carries with it the idea of to be ejected, to be sent out, to be thrown from this place. Sometimes we say the church is now leaving the building. We're just being kicked out to go into the world and all the areas of Butler County and Warren uh, to be a witness. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word missionary? Cannibals? Pith helmets? Jungles? Someplace far away? Did you know the Bible says that every believer is a missionary? You, if you call yourself a believer, a disciple of Christ, you're a witness. And you have a life mission to share the gospel. What's happened to you? How God has changed your life? Every disciple is a missionary. You don't become a missionary by crossing the sea, but by seeing the cross. And God has made you to be a representative of Christ. And this is not negotiable. This is not an option. If you're a believer, you're a missionary. And part of the joy of being a Christian is the great privilege of helping other people to know Christ. Now, believe you me, we're in a time in this point in history that we've all been intersected in where our culture is out to get us. Uh, people today are not in favor of institutions. Lots of people see hypocrisy out there. They're looking for the authentic, the genuine. They're looking for reality in this postmodern type of world. But I want to say to you, we have something that is really electric. If God has truly gotten a hold of your life, you know what I'm talking about. Lots of people today say, well, I'm a Christian, but have you had one of those experiences where you've, your heart was filled with godly sorrow and you knew that you needed a savior and you don't know everything that's coming and going, but you just say, God, if Jesus is real, if you real, please save me. And if you've had one of those moments where you've received Christ as your Savior, you know what I'm talking about. And the joy that floods your soul, the new way of living that you have, the peace that's yours. You have a different understanding of how to get through this life. You realize there's something beyond the grave. You realize that there's a mission for you. And there's great joy in sharing this message. Now, two reasons I want to point out today that you have joy. First of all, the first reason is there's joy in this because we have a life-changing mission, a life-saving mission. That means there are eternal consequences. We know the Bible speaks about a heaven and a hell. And in fact, Paul here writes in Romans 10, listen to this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear him unless someone tells them? Now, does this make sense? Who does God expect to tell them? 
I, I heard the story one time of God talking to the angel. And he said, here's my plan for spreading the good news. I'm going to have everybody go to their places of work and tell other people about God's love with the people they worked with. And the angel said, that's great, but what happens if they don't go and tell other people? And God said, well, I have no plan B. There's no other option. That's it. How can they hear the saving message unless someone tells them? How can they hear unless somebody goes and gives their testimony. You know, I've often thought that probably the greatest thrill that any of us are going to have is if you are able to persevere to the end and make it to heaven, somebody could come up to you and say, thank you, because of your witness, I gave my life to Christ, and it's because of that that I'm here today. Think of the thrill that that's going to be that you have the opportunity to witness to somebody else that could be so life-altering, God using you to share the good news. There's no greater joy than sharing the saving message of Jesus Christ with someone else. Now, the dearest thing to the heart of God is the death of Christ. But the second dearest thing to that is those people who tell others about the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Luke 4, listen to this. The good news is to heal the brokenhearted and announce that captives shall be released, the blind shall see, the downtrodden shall be freed from oppression, and that God is ready to give blessing to all who come to him. What's that? That's the first sermon that Jesus ever gave. And he lists the benefits. He says, I'm not here to tell you bad news. I'm here to tell you the good news. And he lists several kinds of hurting people. Do you know anybody that's hurting today? Do you know any broken-hearted people? I can tell you with this pandemic, there's lots of broken-hearted people. People have got cancer. People have got illness. People separated their loved ones in the hospital. and They can't do anything to be there with them. There's all kinds of broken-hearted. You know any broken-hearted people? You know anybody that's confused? Is there any possible chance there's somebody in your workplace that's discouraged? Do you know anybody in your family that's stressed out? Well, this is what Jesus is saying. Tell them the good news. We have a life-saving message, and I guarantee you the world is far more ready to hear it than we are to share it because we think God has called us somehow to be a promotional expert or we're called to be a lawyer or we're called to be a great philosopher or we're called to learn 25 Uh, Bible verses before we can go out or some type of salesperson but no the Bible doesn't say that it says we're simply to be a witness just tell other people what God has done for you now the second reason that it is so joyous to witness to someone and granted there's a difference between evangelism there's a difference between witnessing some people may have the gift of really doing the work of evangelism, but all of us are called to be witnesses, to testify simply what God has done. But listen to this. What pity Jesus felt for the crowds, Matthew chapter 9, because their problems were so great, and they didn't know what to do, the crowds of people, or where to go for help. The harvest is great, he said, but the workers are so few. Now, back in that first century, New Testament there, there were three things I think so relevant today. Three things. The problems were great. 
Our problems are great and through the roof. They didn't know what to do, and they didn't know where to go for help. Anybody think that sounds familiar? So many people got so many problems, we don't know what to do. You don't know where to go for help. The world is full of people like that, and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go, and they're crying out for help. And the fact is, today, you can believe a lie. You can believe that no one's interested in church. You can believe that no one is interested in spiritual things. But you know what? All the statistics say the opposite. All of the surveys that are done, people may not be into the institutional church, but I guarantee you people are interested in spiritual things. Understanding how in the world to get through this life. Understanding all the big questions. People are more eager to listen and hear than we think about. And it's just a big vacuum out there. And if you sat long enough to look, you see it coming out in tweets. You see the spiritual things in music videos and in commercials and movies and the TV and out in life. Because people are interested in how to get through this life. And you've got the message. There's a different way. There's a different worldview. They say less than 6% has a biblical worldview today. But there's a different way if people only stop, look, and listen. Not just pay attention to a three-minute TED Talk or a simple tweet and sit for a moment and think about it. And you have the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to share. People all around you are looking for relief, for answers, and you've got it. Do you remember the good old days when you used to go to a movie? Seems like years ago now, doesn't it? But you go to a movie, and I was always grateful for the trailers, because half the time you got there a little bit late, and you had to get your popcorn and all that kind of stuff, and by the time you sit down, they had these trailers on. These trailers are maybe 30 seconds, maybe a couple of minutes, and it's really a short clip about another movie that's going to come out soon, and you know they got it right. When you see people after one of those clips, they kind of lean over. Hey, I want to see that movie. That looks like a good one. I want to come back and see. I'm telling you, friends, you need to be a trailer today. That people see your life. They see your witness. The books are out today. They said we have a crisis of caring. The more technology, the more high touch is needed. Everybody's so separated on their devices. You go to Thanksgiving, you go to this, and everybody's buried in their tablets and their devices. You don't have to go to the store anymore. You got a click list. They toss it in your trunk and you're all set. You don't even have to speak to your neighbor. You got that remote control. Just go in and out your garage door. You don't have to talk to anybody. We're all kind of separated, but I think the pandemic has showed us that we need one another. There's a better way. There's a relationship you can have with Jesus Christ. Totally transform and rock your world. I want you to watch this video clip. It's a short one, but it's about opportunities. Opportunities that you need to be aware of in your life. How God is moving and working so you can witness for the Lord. Let's watch this.
every day on the way to school, I stopped Sonic. And uh, when you do that every day for a whole school year, you get to know the girl window. That started the relationship with Sandra. And I checked in on her. She was a single mother trying to make it. I lost touch with her for, for a few months. Um, my dog changed. In those three months, I was doing a morning Bible study. And the situation I was doing uh, said to consider three people in your life who didn't know the Lord. I couldn't talk with three people. And I became completely convicted that my circle of influence was too small. That there were people around me that were hurting to know Jesus. I didn't see him. I was too busy. So I simply prayed that I would open my eyes. And if I saw people with a need, I promised God that I would do whatever I could to help be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Two days later, I stopped at Sonic. And Sandra was there. But she was in a world of hurt. She That's a little high speed, Jeff. It's not your fault. It's not Jeff's fault. You know technology. Well, let me summarize the video this way, that there are all kinds of opportunities all around us every day if you're just quiet enough, sensitized to the moment, that you can put a rock in someone's shoe. That ought to be your goal today, is to put a rock in someone's shoe and to cause them to just think, wait a minute, maybe there is a better way. So you're all being subpoenaed today to be a witness for Jesus Christ. In this sermon series, over the next few weeks, we're going to have some challenges for you, some opportunities that you can step up and witness to those in the community and recognize there are lots of hurting people around us. There are lots of people that are looking for relationship there are lots of people that need to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And every week you'll be able to access it on your app. And even like today, our ushers are going to have available out in baskets out here in the lobby. They're going to have some, some uh, challenges, some outreach challenges that you can take and you can uh, really step up to this week. As we fulfill what Jesus said there in Acts 1 and 8, that you shall be my witnesses in Westchester, in Mason, in Liberty Township, and in the ends of Butler and Warren County. You can be a person that witnesses for Christ today. Also today, as you leave, we have been blessed with a bunch of boxes of donuts, several dozen donuts out in our lobby. And they have a place on there that you can take the donuts and you can use that as a tool today in the morning and you can bless a business. Some of these are uh, different cultural opportunities like uh, our Asian community, our Hispanic community, but there are different ways. The address is there, the names are there. You can stop down at nursing homes, hospitals, different opportunities that are there and you can share a box of donuts, brighten someone's day, and say, smile, God loves you. Do you know you are cared for? Maybe it's an opportunity to invite someone to church. Maybe it's putting a rock in someone's shoe, reminding them that there are people that care about them. But I challenge you to step up to this opportunity and be the church that God wants us to do, to be, to be that witness. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for these moments of worship, for your challenge that you give us to shine brightly in this world, to be salt, to be light. So bless us, we pray, as we embark on this journey to make Jesus known here in our community, to let people know there's a better way. 
Use us, we pray, in these days and weeks to come. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.